I think that reading comes out of a place of fear. That if I don't do the right thing, somehow I'll be separated out of the, with the people who fell short and God will no longer love me. This way of reading it makes this story actually terrifying, if you listen closely. How do I know? Notice the response of both the people who did good and the people who didn't do good is exactly the same. When did we see you? This means that the sheep don't know what they did right and the goats don't know what they did wrong and everyone is surprised that somebody has been paying attention the whole time. So maybe uh, you've caught by now, or, or maybe not, it is Christ the King Sunday in the church, or as it's also known, Reign of Christ Sunday. This is not a well-known or flashy feast day, and honestly, by sticking it right in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, notorious beloved holidays, it can get a little lost. Christ the King Sunday, Reign of Christ Sunday, is the final Sunday in the church year, which again is confusing because we end our calendar year well after this. And for those of us at Prince of Peace uh, and other churches, but like Prince of Peace who follow the lectionary for the most part, it is the last day we are in Matthew's gospel for three whole years and the people all said, Amen. I know maybe that's not allowed for me to not have a favorite gospel, but I Matthew's not my favorite gospel. It may seem unusual to celebrate Christ the King as Christ as King until you realize we also, we do this all the time, right? We celebrate Christ the infant, Christ the teacher, Christ the rabble rouser, Christ the friend, Christ the healer. Fill in the blank here. Why does this one seem to be so much harder to celebrate than all the others? I have said this before, but it's my favorite fact about this day, so I'm going to say it again. This holy day was originally named in 1925 by Pope Pius XI. He called it the Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Isn't that such a better? Christ the King doesn't quite have the same ring to it, but it was the first feast day Pope Pius got to set in his time as Pope, and he gave it his all, I think. Pope Pius declared this day to be set apart and celebrated due to what he felt was a worldwide increase in secularism and nationalism after the end of World War I. In his encyclical, which is just a big declarative statement, he said, and listen to this, manifold evils in the world are due to the fact that the majority of men had thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives. These had no place anymore in private affairs or politics. And as long as these individuals and states refused to submit to the rule of our Savior, there would be no hopeful prospect of lasting peace among nations. Feels shockingly relevant even now, does it not? History shows he was more right even then than he realized in 1925. Not only did he create this feast day to answer to nationalism, he created it to speak to the fall of all of these powerful kingdoms and reigns from World War I. Empires that had fallen were well-known names like Romanovs, Habsburgs, 
Ottomans. Pope Pius wanted a day to celebrate and point to a king whose kingdom would have no end. He knew that when empire fails, and it always does, when systems fail, and they always do, when kingdoms crumble, and they will, it causes a lot of fear and chaos. So I get why he instituted this holy feast day, I do, and yet it is still not everyone's favorite. We would much prefer to spend the day celebrating Christ the healer, right? Wouldn't you rather have that day? This image of Christ the King is one where Jesus is on the throne, ruling over all. It is not the warmest or most approachable image we have of Jesus. And in this country, we have a history of, let's say, discord with kings, right? We don't like to be ruled over. Our government was created for the people, by the people, not for the people, by the king, right? We set it up that way, and it stuck. It is in us somewhere. The very idea of being ruled by one single entity who got their position by virtue of their birth, but not any merit, does not sit well with us. And I'm as oppositional as they come. Listen, you tell me to do something without including my input or giving me a good reason why, and I am likely to do the opposite. And I know I am not alone. So I really understand why this feast day does not sit well with everyone. Why our first instinct is to chafe a little bit or push back against celebrating being ruled over. So then equally interesting to me are which texts the people who put together the lectionary cycle choose each year to be read on this day. Some years, it's Jesus in front of Pilate answering the question, what is truth? Sometimes it's the crucifixion account. On this day, right before we get into the Christmas season, it's so odd and out of place to have this crucifixion story in front of us, but we do on this day to include the story of the plaque placed above Jesus' head on the cross that says, this is the King of the Jews. And some years, the Matthew years, we have this story of the king on the throne separating or judging people into groups. I'll get back to that in a minute, don't worry, but I want to first have you notice with me that all the stories we usually hear on this day, on Christ the King Sunday, have one thing in common. They intentionally push our definitions and images of kings and kingdoms. It doesn't make a lot of sense to have somebody powerful be on a cross, does it? Today's gospel is one that is often used uh, as a kind of checklist, right? Give water to the thirsty. Check, I did it. Food to the hungry. Check, I did that too. Good job, Natalia. And while I get the instinct to do that, it really misses the mark. So if this is the way you have been taught this text, I'd like you to set it aside for just a minute and imagine a different way to read it. I think that reading comes out of a place of fear, that if I don't do the right thing, somehow I'll be separated out of the, with the people who fell short and God will no longer love me. This way of reading it makes this story actually 
terrifying if you listen closely. How do I know? Notice the response of both the people who did good and the people who didn't do good is exactly the same. When did we see you? This means that the sheep don't know what they did right and the goats don't know what they did wrong and everyone is surprised that somebody has been paying attention the whole time. If that's not terrifying enough, then sometimes the next sermon we often hear is that Jesus is always paying attention, watching what you're doing and reporting back to God like some kind of cosmic elf on the shelf and you don't know when or why, but it's definitely going to come around and you will either be good enough or you won't and you have no idea until you are separated out, right? Does that sound like good news to anybody? I want us to set those readings aside because I don't think the intention of this story was ever to make us think, I'd better treat that person well because what if they're Jesus? P.S. I think we should treat everybody well just because they're people, but that's another sermon for another day. I also don't think the intention of this story was to make us panic about being good all the time because Jesus is always watching us. We're human. We're going to be tired and hangry. We're not going to be our best selves. So if those are not the intention Jesus is trying to get at, or Matthew's gospel is trying to teach us, what is? This story comes near the end of Matthew's gospel, and if we give importance to Matthew 5's first public sermon, the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus, which we do, then I think it's important for us to give that same weight to Jesus' final public sermon, which is this one. He is telling us, for the last time, what kind of kingdom he is bringing and what kind of king he is. We have, of course, of course, (laughs) taken a story all about Jesus and made it about ourselves, because that is what we do best. We read about sheep and goats, and we don't spend a moment thinking about the king, but all about ourselves. Which one am I? Which one will I be? What do I have to do? What are the things I need to do to guarantee my place on the left, or the right, or the right, or the left? Give me 10 easy steps to be a sheep and not a goat, Jesus, and I will do it. Totally, I'm really good at lists. This is a story not about the sheep and not about the goats because if it were, they would know way more about what's going on and how it happened. This story is about the king. And like it or not, the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, the king acts and rules and judges a certain way by a certain set of criteria. It is not easy, but I believe it's better. So think with me for a moment about the kingdoms we are in. And if kingdom is a hard word for you, it's sort of fun to replace it with system. Just think that instead. An example for you, just a current example. On Thursday, many of us sat around tables and took a moment to be grateful for all the things we have and the people we love and for some of us for the good boundaries we have set. 
And then on Friday, we woke up early to see the messages reminding us that none of that stuff we were grateful for yesterday was enough, and you need to get more, and you need to get it on sale. And then tomorrow, we're going to go back to work, if we haven't already, and our inboxes will be flooded with reminders to spend again, but this time online for Cyber Monday, because all the things you bought on Friday weren't quite enough. And if you weren't quite good enough, or stylish enough, or pretty enough, or thin enough, or enough, you need to keep going on Monday. And then on Tuesday, don't forget, if you have anything left over and you haven't maxed out your credit cards yet, you can participate in Giving Tuesday, paying a kind of virtue toll so you can absolve yourself of all of that spending guilt. I gave a thirsty person water. Good job, me. Check. I ask you a question this morning, Prince of Peace. Who is the king in that system? It is certainly not God, is it? See, that's what today is about. Christ the King Sunday, reign of Christ Sunday, is a day set aside for us to loudly and clearly say who and what is in charge around here. Lutheran pastor Meta Herrick Carlson wrote a blessing that starts with, we dare to declare Christ as King. I love that. We dare to say it out loud because it is dangerous to systems that aren't God to name the one who is. In her blessing, she says, Christ is king, patriarchy is not. Christ is king, white supremacy is not. Christ is king, democracy is not. Christ is king, big money is not. Christ is king, the status quo is not. Christ is king, the church is not. Christ is king, I am not. I bet we could all add a few to this list, right? Algorithms are not. This one hurts me a little to say, but it's important. Taylor Swift is not. My kid is not. Fill in the blank. Christ is king. Say it in your head right now. Is not. It's important to say that out loud at least once a year. See, in this final public sermon that Jesus gives before he dies, Matthew's gospel comes full circle from the Beatitudes and what is blessed to hear. God's kingdom has always looked different than you thought it did. And here is another story to tell the same truth. The kingdom of God does not look anything like you're used to. And the king is not found in the places where we think the king will be found. Exactly. One of my clergy colleagues this week told me Christ the King Sunday is the final unraveling of the original lie. You'll be like God. Just do this and you will be like God. This day we say, we are not God. We are created an image, the image of God, but we are not God. And that is a good thing. It is good 
that God is God and we are not. It is good that Christ is King and we are not. This is the good news in front of us today when we hear the story that tends to be used to terrify us into acting good. This is the good news in front of us today as we sing together and then gather around this font with Everly and hear that she is loved no matter what. And just like for the rest of us, the world is going to try to pull her into other kingdoms and tell her just as it tells all of us every day to work harder and do more and that she's not enough. But on this day, we see it and we name it for the lie that it is. And we get to watch the love of God come here in real time and tell her she is already and always enough. And together we get to offer thanks that it is God who decides we are worthy. Nothing and no one else gets to do that. Christ is King. And that is good news. Amen. All right, so we gathered around this promise. We saw it happen in real time. If you need to come forward and mark a cross on your own forehead to remind you of who is king and who is in charge and why that matters as you go out into a world that's telling you all of the other things it's going to tell you, literally the second you step outside of the doors of this place, the world is gonna tell you you are not enough and you need more. And here at this spot, we hear again and again, you are enough, you are loved, and you are mine. So we take that promise with us out into this world as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.